So I want you to know me a little bit better. And just so you know, if you're watching online too, wherever you are, it's a privilege to, to let me be in your house, your car, wherever you're going. Um, uh, for, you, for you to know me a little bit better. You ready? Uh, I'm a sucker for those as-seen-on-TV ads. You know, the ones like when you're up late at night, right? And, and you can't sleep. And you, you, you click on the, the television, those infomercials come up, you know. And, and it, it starts off, designed by NASA engineers, right? It's unbreakable. You can smash it. You can, you can build a boat with it and whatever they promise, right? You, you can do it. And if you're watching right now, this is a special one-time offer, right? You get the second one for free. Only $19.95. And if you're not fully satisfied, what? You get your money back. Guaranteed. I say, man, I need one of those. Whatever it is they're buying, I, I need it, right? I look at my wife, I need that, honey. Not I want, I need. Now, believe it or not, to this day, I haven't yet, ever, well, not yet, right, bought one of those because my frugal Aldi shopping mother of six wife that does everything for me, you know, besides God and Jesus, she's my everything. If I haven't said that publicly, thank you, honey. But I'm a sucker for those. They just suck you in, especially like when they say, you know, this, this return policy. If you're not fully satisfied, well, we're just going to give you your, your money back. I mean, that sounds great. And I looked it up online, right? The on, as seen on TV return. Have you guys ever looked that up? I did. It's in the frying print. Everything is, right? It says this, you know, most items can be returned within 15 days. And then it gives this list of exceptions, right? I'm like, oh, great. Here's the point, right? Very few things in life that you can count on that are 100% guaranteed. Besides death and taxes, right? Not many things in life are guaranteed. We have no guarantees. No guarantees that we're going to be rich, or if you're already rich, that you're going to stay that way, right? No guarantees that you're going to be healthy. It doesn't matter if you, you diet and exercise, you know, boom, strange disease comes upon us. No guarantees. We don't even have guarantees in our long time, like long, lifelong friendships or marriages, you know. Something goes wrong, and it's broken. It's done. Why? Because there's no guarantees and we're sinful people. Today's our second part of the series of messages that I'm calling Regrets, Realities, and Restoration. Two 100% sure realities today are guarantees. They're guaranteed by Jesus who rose from the dead. So it's not like an infomercial, right? Guaranteed by Jesus himself. What are those two sure realities that we're going to talk about? Trouble and peace. Guaranteed. Trouble and peace. Two things that you know you can be sure of. Two things that you can count off. You're going to follow Jesus that are going to come your way in life. Trouble and peace. These are the realities that I'm talking about today. If you weren't with us last week, you can just click online, watch it, catch up in this series talking about regrets. Last week I talked about how I am thankful and hope you are too, that God gave us the Bible with the biographies of people's life that talked all about their life, right? We talked about David, we talked about Paul, talked all about their life, not just like the fabulous 
highlight reels of, of their life that you would see on Facebook or Instagram. When you ever thought about this, why is it that we just tend to want to post things on social media that's just the good stuff? We don't say anything about the trouble. I mean, I'm guilty of it, right? You look on my, uh, what's it called, my Instagram, what's it called, Ryan? Page, Facebook page, Instagram, something. You look on that, oh yeah, look at Tony, won the, the championships on his team, and look, he's going on vacation with his family, look at the grandkids, I mean, it's all beautiful, it's nothing about troubles, I'm guilty of that. And then we look to the Bible. We look to the Bible, and it's not like social media, praise God, it's not, because we get to see all of a person's life in the Bible, they had big time regrets. I mean, we talked about last week, right? Regrets of committing murder and adultery and lying and cheating and all the commandments, right? They broke. Yet here's the thing. They didn't allow those regrets in life to hold them back by believing in God's true forgiveness, his true hope and peace that comes in Jesus. They didn't allow that. They didn't dwell on the past regrets. They didn't let them be weighed down by that. But that we would be understanding this. God's kingdom is truly regret-free. Amen and praise God. That he would give us abundant, peace-filled, hope-filled life in Jesus. That he would allow us to know that we could take one day, this gift of today, right? That Jesus is my Savior today. And that we can live for him with joy and peace and hope. That's what we shared last week. We talked about Paul, remember the apostle, the missionary, and I love, he kind of shows us, this is how we're going to live a regret-free lifestyle. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he writes, not that I have already obtained all this. Well, what's all this? Well, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about everlasting glory. Not that I have already attained it yet or have been made perfect, because he's still in his sinful body in the flesh. But I press on to take on the, or take hold of what that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. What's the one thing I do? Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting, that means all the ways I messed up, right? All the sins I committed intentionally or unintentionally, all the regrets I have. Forget what's behind and strain. Straining why? Straining because it takes work intentionally to forget that stuff and, and look toward what's ahead toward what God has promised, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Is it, is it okay to look in the rearview mirror sometimes, to look behind? Yeah, of course, just like when you're driving, right? It's okay to see what's behind you, what you passed up, to help that make you wiser in your journey as you follow Jesus. But God has called us heavenward. God has called us upward, right, as the scripture says. We're going to hear and read about these two guarantees from God's word. What's he speak about? I want you to open to John chapter 16, the gospel of John, whether it's on your phones or whether the Bibles we have provided for. If you brought your Bible, John 16, he comes into a place where Jesus is, it's his last supper, right? It's his, the last night with his disciples. He knows what he's facing. He's going to face persecution. He's going to face agonizing torture, right? He gets flogged bogus trials, all that stuff, betrayed, all that stuff, and yet he wants to have his disciples hear these things 
And I want you to listen for trouble and peace as I read, beginning in verse 1 of the Gospel of John, chapter 16. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Here's the trouble that's coming. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. In fact, time's coming when anyone who kills you will think that they're offering a service to God. They're going to do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I told you this so that when their time comes, you are going to remember that I warned you about them. Didn't tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. Move to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He's going to help you remember, essentially. Verse 20. Truly, I tell you, you're going to weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You'll grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby's born... She forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Verse 22, so with you, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. No one will take away your joy. To verse 32, time's coming and in fact has now come when you will be scattered each to your own home. In verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. What's guaranteed in life? First, it's trouble with a capital T. Also means in some Bible, tribulation or persecution. The biblical Greek word means distress. Did you hear the troubles that we just read? Beginning in verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogue, verse 2 says. That means they're excommunicated for their, the, uh, from their friends and their place of worship. Verse 2 says, anyone who kills you will offer a service to God. That means they're being murdered for being a Christian. Verse 20, you're going to weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Do we weep and mourn today as followers of Jesus? Absolutely. Why? Because there's pain. There's pain for seeing so much sin in the world, right? When, when the world's values conflict with God's values, that puts followers of Jesus into trouble, into distress. I mean, think of the evils, right? The evils that are considered good in the eyes of the world. I don't have to name them. Use whatever's on your mind, right? What are the evils that this world calls good? Because this world calls evil good and good evil. Verse 22, you will grieve. You're going to grieve because there's going to be many hardships and heartbreaks in life. Verse 32, a time's coming, and in fact has come when you're going to be scattered. People have to flee, even today, because of their faith in Jesus. Praise God that we live in the United States where that doesn't happen. Do we get some persecution because of our faith? Yeah, maybe in your workplace and on the field or the playing field, whatever, in school. Yeah, but scattered, right? Verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. And those troubles, they come in various ways from various sources. They come simply, really, from living in a sinful world, right? They happen to not just Christians, but also to non-Christians. Things don't work right. Cars break down. Basements leak. Nature ruins parts of our cities and our plans, right? Tornadoes, hail damage, flooding. 
drought, heat, all of it. People. People don't do the right thing. They hurt us directly or indirectly. The economy, well, it's not in our favor right now, right? Thieves break in and steal. People mess with our emotions. They hurt us. People we love, right? We see them suffer, and then what happens? We suffer too. Whether because they're doing something wrong or whether they're separated from us by death or distance, when they make wrong decisions, we hurt for them. Troubles, right? Just simply because we live in a fallen world. You've got troubles. I've got my own. Here's the point. We've all got them, right? In one form or another. I read this over a chaplain's door. I think it's so true. It says, if you have troubles, come in and tell me about them. If you don't have troubles, come in and tell me how you do it. I mean, how true is that? Right? You don't have troubles? Really? Tell me how you do it. Because troubles are 100% guaranteed by Jesus himself if you follow him. Troubles that I mentioned that come from the outside, but also we talked about last week, troubles that come from the inside, right? The foolish decisions that we regret. The mistakes we made intentionally or unintentionally that hurt people. The ways we disregard wise counsel from our friends or our family. And frankly, the way we disregard and disobey God's word on how to live. And when we do that, that's called sin. And we're responsible for that, right? It's called sin. I mean, think about God's commandments, right? She'll know of other gods before me. Soccer's on today at 11.30. Man City's playing somebody. I don't know who they're playing. Right now, am I speaking? Right, it's 15 minutes in. Oh, wait a minute. I'm preaching right now. No other gods before me. Right, and you just go down the list, not using his name in vain, right? Honoring the Sabbath day to keep it holy, honoring your mom and dad, all those things. Those are the commandments that he outlines, but there's also other parts of Scripture, other parts of Scripture where it outlines it for us. I want to take you there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul pretty much tells sinners, the, the, he, he identifies us as wicked. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10, okay? It's up on the screen, or you can go there in your own Bibles. He writes, don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, sexual immoralities defined in the Bible as sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. Not the sexual immoral, nor idolaters. That's trusting in something or someone more than God. In money, in looks, in your spouse, in health, in drugs. However it is you're going to get by trusting in that more than God, you're an idolater. Nor adulterers. That also means, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, that even if you lust after someone who is not your spouse, you're committing adultery. Nor male prostitutes or homosexual offenders. That's those that have sex with the same sex. Nor thieves. That means taking anything that's not yours. Also means that if you're not working hard enough, you're robbing, right, your employer. Nor the greedy. That's wanting more things, more stuff, more money, more food, more whatever it is. Nor drunkards. Drinking's not a sin, but into an excess, right? That's not what God wants. Nor slanderers. I mean, saying anything bad behind someone's back. 
The Greek word actually means using abusive language. Nor swindlers. Literally, those who use force and violence when stealing. That's what the Greek means. None of those will inherit the kingdom of God. So as you read that list, those are God's standards. When I read it, I know I'm guilty of some of those things. Are you? I mean, it helps me to understand I need Jesus, right? I need Jesus to forgive me. I need Jesus to bring peace between me and God. That's called reconciliation. Has he done that for me? Yes. How did he do it? On the cross. He gives me 100% guarantee that I have peace with my heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen? Jesus would make peace between all of creation. He's the creator. We're his creatures. What's God's word say about his creatures? We are by nature enemies of God deserving his wrath and what we do in our word and deed we're his enemies and we need reconciliation and God is saying Jesus is saying this is what I've done I'm giving you peace with God and that's ultimately the only peace that we need it really is do you remember those words in verse 33 in me Jesus said you have peace take heart of in me in Jesus, we have peace. Not in wealth, not in relationships, not in health, not in anything other than Jesus do we have peace. True peace. The peace that only Jesus can give. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been. Do you hear the, the, the past tense? Since we have been. That means because of the cross, justified. Just as if I've never sinned. Through faith, that's a, a gift. We have what? Say it louder. Peace. Peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus, whom we've gained access by faith into his grace, in which we later will stand. Now. That's the reality. 100% reality. Just as much as trouble is 100% reality, the reality is you have peace with God. When? Now. Now. Praise God. For that, Jesus, before uh, chapter 16 and in chapter 14 of John, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. My peace, Jesus says, this kind of peace, the, the kind of peace that the world wants to say to give you, right, in those infomercials, but they don't. Jesus gives this kind of peace, a, a peace that the world can't take away Praise God. Peace is a reality. Even when we can't see it. Even when we can't explain it. There's so many times when I go into the hospital. People are on their deathbed. And I see it in their face. They have peace with God. Like that strengthens my faith. They're going through all this. And they have this kind of peace. God, I want that. My sister-in-law gave me this many years ago before I came here to, to faith. Um, it's, a po it's a picture of, I think it's the Philippines, but it says Isaiah chapter 26, verse 2. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. Keep in perfect peace who? Those whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. That's the promise that God's going to give to us. He's going to give me in peace. Surpasses all of my understanding. 
given me peace. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and what? Peace. Remember that kind of words that Paul writes, flesh and, 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 and spirit, because I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week. So when life overwhelms you, and it will, if it hasn't already, it will. If it hasn't recently, it probably will. And when you feel overwhelmed and, and not confident, right, we can entrust our lives to Jesus. Why? Because we know how the story is going to end. We know the people that saw him after his resurrection and wrote about him. This is true. It was a reality for them. This is true. And guess what? If it's a reality for them, it's a reality for us. And it's a future reality too. Because we know how it's going to end. We know that he's going to come back again physically. And he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. Because the old order of things will be truly gone. Praise God, that's for us. Another apostle, James, he writes it this way in the first chapter of his letter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whether you face trials, trouble, tribulation, distress of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let this perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Those who follow Jesus, troubles are going to come, and we use them as opportunities to grow in faith. My wife had to just remind me of that this week. Floods came to my house. The winds blew, right? Water in my basement. Not only that, water in my old car. Flooding the car. The floods. I had floods, literally. And I'm going, ah, my wife said, honey, calm down. Think about what you have, right? She helped me think about the peace that I have. She was helping. And so Paul, the apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all afflictions. Why? So that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with we have received and been comforted by God. That's what followers of Jesus do at the graveside for the Davis family, right? When we're going through pain in our life, through divorce, through financial bankruptcy, through whatever it is, we're there to comfort one another with the peace that only God can give to us. As I was preparing for this message, I came across a letter that was written about 200 years after Jesus' death. 200 years after, it was written by a man that was anticipating his own death. And he lived in a time when if you were a Christian, right, you would be persecuted, you would be killed just by having that name associated with you if you're a Christian. And the author, really, the recipient, it's not known for certain, but it's called the Letter of Diognetus. It's thought to be written by a student of one of the apostles. He, he describes himself as methetes, which means learner or disciple. And he addresses it. It's 12 chapters long. In his salutation, he says most excellent or his excellency. So it's probably written to somebody uh, of some, uh, you know, uh, standing in society. 
And in chapter 5, it talks about really salvation by faith. This is the results of salvation by faith in Jesus. And so read along as I read it, or follow along. They exist in the flesh, but they do not live by the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow in everything. They are dishonored, and yet in their dishonor they are glorified. They are spoken ill of, and yet are justified. They are reviled, but bless. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers when punished. They rejoice as if raised from the dead. They're sailed by the Jews as barbarians, persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them are unable to give any reason for their hatred. Wow. I mean, such a clear and succinct explanation of what it means to follow Jesus. I fall short of that. I mean, this not just this past week did I have the floods in my house. The week before that, I got a neighbor who's making me angry, right? And I'm thinking, Lord, uh, no, I got to show love. I got to show love because, wow. These are the people who follow Jesus. That's what they do. That's what they do. Life on earth for believers in Jesus, it hasn't changed. In fact, I'll tell you, it's probably gotten easier, especially living in the United States. Are you persecuted physically for your faith? Probably not. Right? These people were. And they're going to their, to their death. Living like this. Wow. Two things that are guaranteed, right? There's two things that we learn. We live in a broken world of real pain, right? It's caused by us sometimes, caused by others sometimes, so there's trouble. But in me, Jesus says, in me, you will have peace. Guaranteed. As I was looking at John 16, as I close, I made some of these observations. I want to share them with you. He says, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that just help, help you remember again what the scripture says. So that. All of this I told you so that. So that what? You won't fall away. Because while it's true that there's nothing that can snatch us out of God's hands. Right? That's the truth. It doesn't say we can't jump out of it. In the scriptures it talks about people who have fallen away from faith. True faith. So Jesus is saying beforehand, before he leaves physically, told you this so that you will not fall away. So when troubles come, you're going to stay strong. I've told you this so that you're going to remember that I warned you about this, that knowing ahead of time, when you know trouble's coming, like if I tell you, trouble's coming, expect it. You're happy <laughs> that, you told, that I told you, right? Yes? I've told you these things so that in me you're going to have this kind of peace that I'm talking about, reconciled to God. And then what's going to happen, your grief is going to turn to joy, promising one day in heaven all these troubles will end and we're going to have true joy, amen and amen. Next week, we're going to finish up with restoration. We're going to talk about what First of all, how to be restored, how to get 
restored with God, but kind of reconciled is another word. I want to talk about how living a restored life, how that really is what Christians do. Because we come into this place as sinners. We leave this place as saints because we would have true peace with God.